Symphony of Shadows. First movement, Capriccio del Viadante. Treacherous Treasures. Praise 4. Jazz looked to her left and found herself holding a hand. She looked up and to her right, and there was another hand clasped in hers. Her gaze wandered upward to find a face she recognized but couldn't place. She couldn't quite see the features when she focused on them. There were two eyes, a mouth, maybe a nose. Everything one would expect from a face but it was blurred at the center and clearer at the edges. She looked at the other person and found it the same. Didn't matter, though. She knew these people. Trusted them. Jazz swung from their hands back and forth, back and forth. Sun pooled on a green carpet of grass. She bathed in the light as she swung forward and welcomed the shade as she swung back into the shadow created by these familiar strangers. Jazz started swinging faster, throwing herself into the motion, light and then dark, light and then dark, and then dark, dark. An inexplicable pain overwhelmed Jazz, her eyes flicking to the hands that held her, but they weren't there anymore. Instead, the two figures still stood far away, waving at her enthusiastically. They grew further and further away as darkness surrounded her. Jazz grasped upward, fingers clinging to nothing but air, and then not even that. Something reached out from the nothing, and Jazz clamped her fingers tightly around it. Jazz spluttered awake, hand reaching for the ceiling. Stiff soreness swept over her in a great heave. It was now just a state of being for her. Nothing felt broken but bruises pulsated all over her body and her joints screamed at her. Jazz could hear someone snoring next to her, so she turned her head to find Switch's crinkled face, peacefully asleep, his hand beside where hers had been a moment ago. Jazz grinned. Old man, she whispered. Old man, wake up. Switch snorted and jumped awake. <laughs> Damn, girl. Scared me half to death. Sorry, what are you doing here? After you left for Abu Rabia, figured you were going to need some backup, so I made a call to Wyatt and rendezvoused with the Firefox. Is that where we are? Jazz looked around for the first time. Yes. Not sure where we're heading, though. The crew hasn't been very forthright with information since we picked you up from Abu Rabia. Why's that? Can't be too certain. I don't think grabbing you was a popular decision. Is Knox is fine, guessed Switch. But two crew members died in the fight and the rest of the crew's not pleased. Haven't left your side since we got here. Afraid someone would do something stupid. How long have I been out? asked Jazz. Couple days. The doc knocked you out, though, while the meds did their work. Should be back to your reckless self in no time. How are you feeling? Doesn't matter. I need your help, Switch. That man? The one that's been following me. Genoa. I thought you said he was dead. Didn't you blow up his ship to pieces? Genoa wasn't on the ship, unfortunately. 
He's a persistent prick. He also said he knew my parents. Switch's eyebrows lifted uncertainly. Did he now? I didn't believe him at first, but I don't think he was lying. He said they were a thorn in his side. You knew my parents better than anyone. Do you have any idea what he's talking about? Switch stood, moved toward Jazz's bed, and kissed her lightly on the forehead. Probably lying just to get you to talk. I'd focus on getting better and not worry about what a madman like that said. You're lying. Why are you lying? Asked Jazz. I don't know what you- You were always shit at lying, Switch. What aren't you telling me? He sighed. The past is best left in its place. It'll do no good speaking about it. So you do know something. That monster is still chasing me, and he won't stop until he's gotten what he wants and kills me. He knew my parents, and he's trying to fulfill some vendetta he had against them. You're safe, Jazz. There's no need to worry about that man anymore. Do you want to know the last thing I remember about my parents, Switch? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. They were dead before I had the fucking ability to even crawl. The only memories I have of them are what you told me. Mom, a soldier who died in the war, and Dad, an engineer, dead in an accidental explosion while working. You know, now that I think about it, that all sounds a bit odd and coincidental. And now I got some bastard of a spec ops psycho telling me they were arch nemeses, like from some cliche comic book. I need answers, Switch. I deserve answers. Jazz could see Switch's eyes glaze and his face tighten in a deeply pained expression. What does it matter, Jazz? They're gone. Even if this man did know them, it doesn't change anything. You want the truth, Jazz? Here it is. Your parents knew they were going to die and that it was only a matter of time. They tasked me with keeping you safe, with raising you as my own, and I've done that. They also made me promise to never speak of them to you. Their hope was that you could live your life without the weight of their sins. Well, a lot of good that's done. Look at me, Switch. Jazz pointed her hand at her bruised body. I'm a fucking mess, and it's not like this is out of the ordinary for me. I've been broke for years, chasing bounties that are too big and too dangerous, and barely outrunning the people I owe money. I've made enemies of almost all of my friends. Gagan's probably the last one I got, and he betrayed me. You've already broken one promise in trying to raise me right. I'm not a good person. <laughs> that ship threaded far away some time ago, and it's not coming back. Whether you like it or not, I'm already weighed down by sin. Maybe it's time we both embrace that instead of trying to avoid it. We are not the heroes, Switch. This isn't an Eos damned fairy tale, and I am certainly no princess. Switch was silent, staring at Jazz, considering his next words carefully. I have a proposition for you. This is not the time to have this conversation. Right now we need to speak with Knox and the other leadership here. Without them you'd be dead, and they need to know why you were worth saving. You haven't been honest with any of us so far, Jazz, about what's been going on. Now's the time to put your cards on the table for everyone to have a look. Your parents are gone, but you still have family right here on this ship. You do that, and when the time is right, I will answer all of your questions about your parents. When the time is right? What is that supposed to mean? asked Jazz. 
That's the deal, Jazz. Take it or leave it. Uh, why is it that I always seem to end up on the shit side of every deal I make? Because you're a terrible negotiator, Switch smiled. Fuck off. Jazz waved him away, but her anger left as quick as it had come. The man was both mother and father to her. He had always been there for her. Well, what are you waiting for? Grab who you need to grab. Switch kissed Jazz on the head again. Don't go anywhere. Exhaustion crashed over Jazz, and she fell back onto her bed. Her eyelids didn't even try to stay open, and she fell into a sort of half-sleep. You dead, Blatt? Gerta growled. Slowly, Jazz opened her eyes to find Gerta's permanently sneering face staring down at her. Getting there, Gerta relaxed and stood straight, crossing her arms. We need to have a chat. Can I get a drink first? Jazz asked hoarsely. The corner of Gerta's mouth tilted up slightly as she reached into her jacket pocket and revealed a leather flask. She screwed open the top, shook the flask slightly in her fingers, and took a swig. Gerta handed the flask over to Jazz. With some effort, Jazz lifted herself up to sitting again and took the flask. Happy to see we're on the same page, said Jazz as she took a swig. The swill burned her throat, but it felt good. Tastes like motor oil, though. Gerta smiled. Make it myself. She grabbed the flask, took another swig, and pocketed it. I didn't take you for the hobbying type, said Jazz. Gerta ignored the comment. I reckon you know Knox still loves you. Was not expecting that, Jazz thought. I don't know what you're talking about. It's been years, and I'm sure he gets his pick of the litter on Providence. Dumb blat, snarled Gerta. There is fucking and there is loving. No surprise you can't tell the difference. This is the second time we've had to come save you. And this time, people died for you. Do you understand that? I, of course you don't, Gerta interrupted. My friends died to save you. And for what? Nox is going to get himself killed watching your back. She sneered contempt at Jazz. I don't want him to get hurt. I didn't ask for any of your help. Jazz shouted and then broke into a fit of coughing. This is why I hate you. You are a black hole. Everyone you meet gets swept up in your shit. For some reason, people like you. Jazz is Zuro. Fuck a bounty hunter's up to some trouble again. Like a bad children's cartoon, Gerta mocked. You'll never change. Just don't know why I'm the only one who can see it. Jazz remained silent with her head down as Gerta leered at her. We are on our way to Providence. Once we are there, there will be no escape for you. Whatever trouble you bring, you will bring it to all of us. I can see it, chasing you, wearing you down. It almost has you. I give you a choice. I can help you escape. I'll give you all the supplies you need. Food, weapons, fuel. Whatever you ask, it is yours. And then we can all be rid of your curse. Even you. Whatever is happening, Jazz lifted herself up straighter. It's bigger than me, Gerta. Bigger than us. Perhaps it is. But I don't care. I care about Nox. 
I care about this crew, and right now you have endangered my family. So you either get as far away from me as you can, Gerta, or, Blatt, spat Gerta, you fall in line and start letting Knox make the decisions. What? Gerta scoffed. Those are the terms. Never send a bounty hunter to do a pirate's job, I say. Your lot ain't got the brains nor the stomach. Hmm, Jazz considered. Can I get another drink? Gerta nodded and handed her the flask. Jazz took a long swig, finishing the contents. Well, I've already made a terrible deal. What's another one? She wiped her lip and handed the flask back to Gerta. Gerta spat in her hand and extended it towards Jazz. Shake. Really? You're going to make me shake your hand after you spat on it? It's the way. Can't you just shake hands like normal folks? Gerta shrugged and pushed her hand closer. Jazz awkwardly spat on her own palm and shook Gerta's hand. The beast of a woman clamped around Jazz's hand, crushing it in her grasp. Jazz tried to hide her pain, which wasn't too difficult, with her entire body an archipelago of bruises. Gerta's hand eventually loosened. You're a tough blat. I'll give you that, Jazz. Oh, Gerta, you're making me blush, responded Jazz. Is this what I think it is? Knox's voice preceded him into the room. Go fuck yourself, Gerta whispered to Jazz. I'd rather fuck you, Jazz winked, and Gerta's face contorted in disgust. You're not my type, she said, before a cannon of a man slapped Gerta on the shoulder and pulled her away. My two favorite ladies, bellowed Wyatt, followed by Switch. Wyatt slapped Jazz on the back, causing her to have a coughing fit. How are you, Jazz? We were all worried about you. I'm... Jazz looked to Knox. I'm sorry about... Knox lifted a hand to silence her. They knew what they were getting into, and they volunteered. Who were they? asked Jazz. Liza and West. You remember them, don't you? Jazz wasn't sure what it was, but the two names set something off in her. Suddenly, her body trembled and her eyes gushed tears. She covered her face in shame as she tried to hold back sobs, while her nostrils leaked mucus. Liza and West were drinking buddies she'd had from her days back when she was hanging around the Firefox. Rough, hilarious, and great to have at your back in a bar fight. Fuck me, sputtered Jazz. Fuck! Just fuck! She shouted into her hands. Knox took one of Jazz's hands away from her face and held it gently in his own. I know, Jazz, I know. But you are safe now, and their deaths weren't for nothing. But it's time you stop this, whatever it is you're doing. I know, I know, believe me, I know. I need your help, all of your help. Jazz looked to Gerta knowingly, who stared back at her with all the emotion of a boulder. What is all this about, Jazz? asked Wyatt. Jazz told them everything. Her attempt at bagging Alejandro and instead stealing the briefcase. Finding Adabigo's escape ship, his message, and the drive. She even told them about the crystal she had found. Do you still have it? asked Knox. There, Jazz pointed to the heap of her clothes, in my inside jacket pocket. 
Switch took her jacket and rifled around until he produced the shining purple crystal. He inspected it and then handed it over to Wyatt, and so on down the line of people in the room. What is it? asked Knox as he turned it over in his palm. I don't know, responded Jazz. Everyone in the room looked at her like she was lying. I'm serious. There was nothing about it in the Atabiga message, and I wasn't able to actually see what was on the drive before Tane ran away with it. So you've been risking your life and our lives for something you don't even understand, said Goethe, brimming with disbelief. All I know is that it must have been worth something if Alejandro was willing to team up with Genoa for it. Whatever Tane found on the drive, he believed it would help change the tides for the PLF. Whatever that is, Jazz pointed to the crystal, it is some universe-shattering shit, and whoever can figure out what it is and how to use it first will... Jazz trailed off. Will what? asked Gerta. Oh, wait. You don't fucking know. Nobody fucking knows. Someone knows, responded Jazz. Who? asked Knox. The Atabigos. There's no way they would have sent one of the most promising of their family on a mission like this without having some knowledge of the purpose. They'll have answers. And what do you propose? asked Goethe. That we walk up to one of the most powerful families in the entire universe? A family who, by the way, has been trying to annihilate us for decades and ask them what the fuck this is? Goethe shook her head. Not going to happen. We'd be better off destroying the thing. She removed a pistol and pointed it at the crystal. Just say the word. Knox closed his hand over the crystal and breathed. Put your gun down, Goethe. Whatever this is, it is worth something to someone, and we would be fools not to at least do some digging. Right now, no one knows that we have this crystal, which gives us an edge. Genoa, if he survived the attack, will likely be chasing down Tane, who we must assume has made his way to the PLF base by now. Why don't we contact them? asked White. I know some folks with the PLF that owe me a favor or two. Absolutely not, responded Knox. We can't let anyone know we're searching for the drive. Imagine if you had taken a drive to the leaders of the PLF and shared the same story Jazz just did. Even Tane had time to scour the contents. Who would believe him? Both Hubble and Shadwell are careful and cautious, and would suspect treachery first. If we make a call, inevitably the Commodores will hear about our inquiry, and we could lend Tane's story credence and wait. Nock shook his head. No, contacting the PLF is not the smart choice. Then let's set a meeting with one of the Atabigas, said Jazz. They have plenty of money, and we can just hand the crystal over to them for a reward. Handing whatever this is over to the Atabigos would be even worse, observed Knox. Giving it to them would be the same as giving it to the Republic. They would use it against us in whatever way they could. We cannot trust them, or any of the intelligentsia, even those among them that act as friends, only do so as long as it benefits them. So what do we do? asked Jazz impatiently. Maybe Goethe is right. Let's just toss it into space and be done with it. Knox held the crystal up to his eye for a long moment. The object seemed to breathe as purple light shone in oscillating dullness 
and brightness. It was a singularly beautiful thing that frightened Jazz to her core for no rational reason. The heavy quiet was suddenly disrupted by a soft ringing sound. Knox blinked and looked to Wyatt and Goethe. What is it? asked Jazz. It's Captain Sournois. He's sent us a message. Knox poked at the air and swiped around. Here. A moment later, a new message was displayed on Jazz's HUD. She opened it and listened with the rest of the people in the room. Greetings, Captain. It has been too long, my friend. I need you back at Providence as soon as you can. We have come across a potentially lucrative but certainly dangerous lead that I would like your sharp mind to help the council consider. Captain Cybell has come across a hacker of some regard named Tane, with a story I would not believe if not for the evidence Cybell discovered traveling with the man. Once you arrive, come straight to the council chambers. We will be waiting for you. The message ended, and Jazz's jaw dropped to the floor. Eos, was all she could manage to say. This is a problem, said Knox. No, now it is the council's problem, added Goethe. Let's just give them the crystal and be done with this mess. I'm sure they'll cut us into whatever profit comes of it. I wouldn't count on it, said Wyatt. Didn't you hear? It was Captain Cybele who found Tane. I wouldn't be surprised if he isn't already dead. What other choice do we have? asked Goethe. Sornois was pretty clear that he wants us back at Providence. They'll be waiting for us, he said. Do you think they know about Jazz's role in all of this? I don't think it's by chance that they found Tane, and now want us to join the council. Everyone knows about the connection between us and Jazz. If Tane is alive, it's probably because he talked. It's certainly a possibility, said Knox. I don't think we have a choice, though. Captain Sornois asked for us specifically, and if we do not show up, it could be worse than if we did. Sornois has been trying to get me to join the council for years, hoping my voice would lend power to his own. It's more likely he's making another attempt to ingratiate himself with me. He'll suspect something if we don't answer his call. And do what? asked Jazz. We will learn what Sornois and Cybele know, and if Tane is still alive, we will attempt to rescue him while everyone's attention is on the council. Fuck that traitor, shouted Jazz. Leave him to rot. We need to question him, Jazz, Knox sighed. We are flying too blinds right now. Tane is likely the only one who has a grip on the situation. If we can discover what was on the drive, perhaps we can figure out what to do with the crystal. Knox, Geerta's voice was like a stomping foot. If we do this, it will mean betraying our people. Even if we successfully pull off the impossible, they'll know it was us eventually. We'd be chased to the ends of the universe for their revenge. And where would we go? There are quite a few in the universe who want the head of Avery's last son. Don't call me that, Knox frowned. Just saying what needs saying, Geerta shrugged. You know I'll follow you no matter what. Into hell, if need be. Not the same as wanting it, though. Odds are against us. Knox's eyes lit up and he smiled that charming smile of his. 
Sounds like just the impossible odds the son of Benjamin Avery was born to overcome. What are you saying? asked Wyatt. I'm not sure yet. You all have to trust me, though. We'll hear out what the consul has to say, see if we can grab Tane, and decide from there. We continue on to Providence. Jazz wasn't too sure this was a great plan, but right now she didn't have anything better. Her plans hadn't been anything to clap at, anyway. Gerda was right. Best leave this to Knox. He was always good at plans. She'd be lying if the prospect of seeing Tane again didn't warm her to the idea either. I cannot wait to see that asshole again. She flexed her sore knuckles and break my fists on his treacherous face. Symphony of Shadows is a production of Synapse Radio. Written, produced, and performed by J.S. Rose. Follow us on Instagram at Synapse Radio and Twitter at Connect2Synapse. That's the number two. Or visit our website for all things awesome, synapse-radio.com. <laughs>